Film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between, welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Jed Props, and I am joined today by Zoe Props. Hey there. And of course, Mr. Justin Sound. Hi. Joe, still MIA, I believe the latest we heard was that he was with Nosmo King and climbing Machu Picchu. For any Carmen San Diego people out there. <laughs> and uh, where's Chris, Zoe? Chris was throwing something away in one of those bottomless pits, and he's fallen in. <laughs> he's the Aussie And I think he's hoping that, you know, it'll just come back around, mm-hmm. shoot him back up, but he's just kind of floating. Yeah. Maybe uh, screamed for the first 30 minutes and is now... <laughs> Well, just fallen. If, if it's the Aussie Smith uh, softball and he's falling down that hole, I I love that he's he's screaming, but then stopping to take a picture. Still. Yes, well, I imagine that his phone is just out of reach. Oh yeah, like yeah. it fell first, so he can't quite get it. So he can't. He's not even to look at oh, or anyone gosh. to call. Oh my gosh! But I imagine service isn't good down there. I would say, Chris, we hope you're okay, but Zoe just also proved that you can't hear us. So, um, oh, well. He's fine. Anyway, uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, this is someone um, known a long time, and he's got a lot of great insight. He has worn a lot of hats. He still does. And uh, before we get to him, we'll kind of allude to what we're, uh, who we're going to be talking to today. But So let's talk about some places we shoot at in our world. They can be small. They can be upstairs without elevators, which always sucks. Um, They can even be hazardous to some degree. And um, I brought up the hazardous thing because we do technically have something in our contracts called hazard pay, but I've never understood how we get it because I've never received it. And I've definitely worked in some shady places. Like, have y'all worked in some pretty questionable? I think we all have by now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're uh, that night or the next day, you blow your nose and it's just black. Yeah. Yes. Or, or if you're wearing a mask at work and you take your mask off and it's black, it, and you're it, like, huh. you look like you had gone chimney sweeping. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it's yeah, a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's two types of dangerous places, and especially in New Orleans. You know, you have the 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 crime dangerous, mm-hmm. which I've been on those types of sets, and then you have the environmental dangerous right um i've been on a set i was on a set last year where there was a drive-by shooting and i had bullets fly by my head oh my god yeah. oh that's right you had actually told me about that yeah and then those those aren't preferred yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember hearing about that was on the quarter yeah it was in uh in the bywater yeah yeah it's yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah. we yeah we were filming uh right down the street from you guys and yeah we hear about that Wow. Um, and so, uh, so that's, yeah, that's not fun. But then there's the dangerous sets that I actually do have a lot more fun with. And that's like going out into the wilderness kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I actually really like doing that stuff. That's cool. I find it more, it's a challenge and it's, you know, um, but I enjoy being outside and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, like, uh, like, like swamps particularly, you know, that kind of swamps stuff. can be cool. Yeah. It, it, it depends on what we're doing exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's certainly, uh, a cool version and a not cool version. Um, right. the not cool version is nowhere good to put your equipment. Everything is soft ground. Uh, you're just getting messy. Yeah. And, um, and maybe it's a lot of water safety that day so that means there's a lot of guys in boats and the gag is technically on the water but you're on a very weak ground shore (laughs) nearby um yeah Yeah, rolling carts over smushy ground sucks yeah i mean i guess but between that and or or versus pea gravel i don't know maybe i'll take the mushy ground that's hard i hate pea gravel Mm, i don't know pea gravel is just i mean i understand why they they put the pea gravel down so that the soft mud, you know, <laughs> isn't a factor. But the yeah. problem is now you're pushing through pea gravel that your wheels aren't turning. So you're just like, it's like pushing a sled yeah. um, that doesn't move very well. Yeah. Um, there's a place here in New Orleans that we don't shoot in any longer uh, for a few different reasons, but um, it's pretty infamous. Um, and it's a former coal power plant that is down by the river and um if you're crossing uh the mississippi river bridge the main bridge from downtown uh, across um you can't miss it it's gigantic twin smokestacks 
Um, we've done a lot of movies in there and I couldn't even tell you. I think I've been in there seven times ish, something mm-hmm. to that effect. We did part of apes in there. We did a part of oblivion in there. Uh, even daddy's home. We shot a, a piece in there that is mm-hmm. bizarro to think about. It's a cool building. I'll say that first. There's a reason that we're in there. Um, but it's also an incredibly dingy place that is falling into, you know, beyond disarray as it's been dead for a long time. And it's just every now and then things are falling, you know, you got a falling debris hazard. Um, in addition to the, uh, to what Zoe had said, the, you start blowing your nose and black stuff is coming out mm-hmm. and that's not comforting. Um, I saw it on fire one time. Not shocking. Walked outside of the office and I'm like, oh, the power plant's on fire. Yeah. Hey, power plant's on fire. Um, but uh, for several reasons, we're not in there anymore. Part of it's new owners. Part of it's just, it's it's gotten to such an unsafe point. Um, and uh, now the city's trying to figure out what they want to do with that area. And that's a whole other thing. Um, but we never get hazard pay. You know, this is something we need to talk to uh, you about. I didn't about. know that was a thing. Thing. exactly exactly <laughs> this is the first time i'm hearing exactly exactly and um yeah i i used to in fact i had a joke um that one day i'll write a memoir and it'll just be called i'm i can't remember which place gave me cancer yeah. um <laughs> it's just about all the horrible locations i was in yeah <laughs> but, there was some talk about hazard pay when when covid hit was there not that I, th- it did come up in conversation because yet again yeah. that's another thing that you would think would constitute hazard pay right or um close quarters yeah or a crime area where bullets are flying by your head you know like i mean what if what if, let's say there's a world where you got hit by a bullet because of something insane happening near your set and then you're with an emt or something going do i get the hazard pay now (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know and and then you know the emt is like sure you do kid sure you do you know and then you you expire so (laughs) that's dark um but anyway uh so the reason we're talking about locations uh is because we have a location manager today and uh i i for one love the location department just because they do all kinds of insane stuff that people don't really typically know about so uh yeah without further ado let's welcome jimmy locations jimmy welcome welcome jimmy We are uh, talking with uh, Jimmy today, and uh, Jimmy Locations, you are a location manager, amongst other hats that you wear, um, and welcome. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, I guess to kind of get things kicking off, kind of talking about when you were growing up, did you, um, were you kind of like a film buff or TV person before I, you were even in the industry? I liked media. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm the last of six, uh, born and raised in Louisiana. Oh, wow. And uh, and so by the time I was growing up and so forth, I got to spend a lot more time with my father than, let's say, the first four or five siblings that I have. So we went to the movies a lot. Oh, cool. I mean, I went to see Mad Max with my dad nice. at Oakwood. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember those things. So uh, he liked shoot 'em ups, as he called them. So we would go see shoot 'em ups and stuff like that. So I had that relationship with my dad. Uh, my dad was somewhat of a storyteller in his own right. He was a businessman. That's that's how he made his money and his living and took care of his family. But um, if you ever uh, remember sitting at dinner with your family, you know, I know that's a concept that most people don't know about these days, but we used to have dinner uh, and my dad and my sister, who's three years older than me, uh, he used to make a point of, so tell me about your day. Tell me a story. Mm. So we would... Before before we could eat, we had to tell a story about what our day was or else we weren't, you know, it would take a long time to eat. So anyway, that whole storytelling thing. But it wasn't until I went to Southeastern and Hammond and I took photography 
you know, and uh, started to mess around with film and stuff like that. We had a VHS. I remember a Zenith uh, VHS uh, <laughs> thing that it was corded, you know, it wasn't wireless, it had a core. And we made like television shows, me and my sister and stuff. So we did that kind of stuff. But uh, I had a whole lot of other things that I was involved in. You know, I was involved in sports, you know, I had a dirt bike, you know, so I was outside a lot. So, um, so yeah, but you know, I, I do contribute my father into the storytelling that I find myself into, uh, even today as a location specialist or, and you know, someone who scouts regularly, uh, to put images in front of lenses, you know, I try to put myself in, in other people's shoes. So we often are told, Hey, shoot it like you would a director, you know, to me, there's two styles of shooting location photos. You shoot it to encompass everything, wide shots, four corners, that kind of thing. So there's no mystery about what the surrounding environment is, or you shoot it, you know, as if like, you know, the director. And you'll get that uh, request every once in a blue moon. But other than that, you're just shooting big wides and kind of showing um, what is available. And that's our whole, whole thing is we show options. You know, we open up the doors and show options when now, it comes to that stuff. Now, when you say you're shooting it, this is when you're looking at the space. And when when using, I'm scouting it, yeah. You're using maybe your phone. Uh, these days I do. I used to have bigger cameras and lenses yeah. you know, back in the day. I mean, back in the day we used to shoot film and we would tape up our photographs in these folders. And it used to be like an accordion kind of thing. Like you'd, <laughs> you would tape up a panoramic of single frame uh, um, images, yeah, you know, and it'd be if to do a, like a, a panoramic of an environment and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, I started and that's the technique that was widely used until we got into the digital age. Um, and then from the digital age, our iPhones and our phones, the cameras just became so good. It just made sense you know i mean i even facetime uh scout sometimes where you mm. you you know you have an ipad and you put that creative on the other end and you're literally showing them the space so <laughs> i mean you just kind of you know evolve with whatever tools can come uh, your way to make your job easier i mean gps on an iphone can tell you if there's a swimming pool in the backyard very easy <laughs> right that's true yeah, you know yeah. when you're looking for swimming pools yeah. So, you know, you just, you, you know, everybody develops their own techniques and so forth. Um, I try to put myself, you know, um, um, when I'm doing the creative stuff for my job, which is the scouting and working with directors and other creatives, production designers, producers, you know, uh, sometimes one of the first things they'll ask is what we call a lookbook. You know, hey, mm -hmm. uh, here's the script. Uh, we're really worried about this really big location here where we spend most of our time. You know, do you have it? You know, mm -hmm. and uh, if you've done it for a bit of time, then you kind of know it's in the back of your head, you know, or you start asking other people. That happens to me a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, when you were talking about um, uh, scouting a lot of buildings, I it, just something that popped in my head. But um, I mean, probably the majority establishing shots are exterior buildings. I mean, especially if you're talking TV, where like maybe like if you think Seinfeld, you always have the shot of the diner. And then you're going into the stage version, which is their diner on a, on a set. Yeah. Um, but um, you always have these iconic shots to kind of like get you into the scene or something like that, you know, or maybe it's as simple as the, a the actors walking into the building or something. Yeah. I actually call that entrance and exits and iconic buildings really. Yeah. And, and that to me, you know, is, is, is a technique. For instance, uh, I did this Van Damme uh, movie where they shot, the whole thing in Bulgaria, except for a couple of weeks here in New Orleans. Now, they came here in New Orleans prior because the script, it takes place all in New Orleans, mm -hmm. right? But it was one of these kind of, it wasn't Millennium Films, but Avi Lerner was right. involved. So he's got a studio in Bulgaria, so he does a lot of stuff there because it's really cheap, right? Yeah. So what they did is they came, they scouted, they found a house, very New Orleans house. They measured the windows, the doors, built the interior of that house in Bulgaria, shot all that interior work, came back to New Orleans, had actors in 
enter that house, uh, exit that house, different script days, different wardrobe changes, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, we also shot some iconic New Orleans stuff to tie it all together, mm-hmm. you know, put them in cars, have them drive by Jackson Square, something like that, you know, which is the most photographed uh you know, shot of New Orleans. Yeah, apparently. when you think about the the cathedral yeah. and yeah. the Andrew Jackson exactly. statue. And a lot of times we're asked uh, and requested, look, you know, I want that one frame to, to, to feel and taste like New Orleans, you know? And so the French Quarter can give you that because it's so iconic. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, entrance, exits, and iconic places. You know, we do that quite often, you know? That's a, a you bring up the French Quarter. We we mentioned it in another uh, episode, but um, a lot of people that are familiar with both they kind of refer to uh, New Orleans as like a smaller Times Square as far as shooting goes. And um, could you speak to that a little bit as far as like the location and mapping of it? Um, well, you, you, let's look at it. Let's uh, uh, zoom out and look at New Orleans as a market as a whole. It's a small market. Right. You know, population smaller, traffic smaller, everything. It's a microcosmic of, of something, you know, that is just one neighborhood in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, L.A. so sprawling, right? And you got New York proper, you know. Well, we all know what that's all. That's urban sprawl and so forth like that. So uh, what New Orleans and the surrounding area provides is, uh, is good for what we call cheating. You know, we cheat for a lot of different places here in New Orleans. Uh, you know, uh, when I did the television show Claws, that's South Florida. It's not a stretch because we're subtropical environment ourselves. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. throw a few palm trees in there and you're selling the idea. You know, <laughs> right. uh, when we shoot New York, you know, we know that we have to shoot it pretty much downtown. You know, mm-hmm. so you find those close knit yep. buildings, you take over uh, an intersection or so, you know, you throw a New York City cab. You know, on the corner there, you know, throw some steam coming out of, uh, you know, one of the things out of the ground, a manhole or something like that. You got New York City. So, um, you know, and the surrounding areas give you what I call Anywhere USA. Go down Veterans. Veterans Boulevard is Anywhere USA right outside of, you know, usually the the downtown area. So uh, we have a lot of looks. I will tell you, though, that uh, over the course of my career, it's not always the looks that drive people here to New Orleans. You know, um, you know, often I've caught them, uh, producers and, and so forth, whether it's commercial or features that, you know, hey, basing out of New Orleans is not a bad thing. There's the other stuff we can do, you know, mm-hmm. outside of working and stuff like that. The food, you know, the people, the you know, party and whatever it floats your boats, swamps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come for the swamps. Yeah. The swamps. You'd be, you'd be surprised. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, how many times we're filming in the French Quarter and I get approached, is this the originals? You know, even though they've only shot like, you know, a handful of episodes over the course of the run of that show, you know. Uh, NCIS was the other thing, you know. Is this NCIS? So we just started saying, yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I told everyone we were filming The Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, that's great. (laughs) No, that just gets gets you into a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. You know. As PAs, we were were kind of trained to say mayonnaise commercial was always like the old go-to. It was a blue plate Until people started asking what brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. blue plate, obviously. Yeah, blue plate. Helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used that once and it backfired. This person was way too interested. I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm never yeah. using it. <laughs> and the whole idea is to get them to shut up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Be quiet. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, for somebody who's actually uh, had to uh, do uh, uh, some work in um, Disney World in Florida, uh, when I was uh, interning during in film school, I had to keep kids away from Tigger. So that was the beginning of my working with background and pedestrians in the wild. You know, it's like trying to keep little kids from Tigger is like trying to distract drunks in the French Quarter until yeah. you yell cut. You know? <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very similar. Um, uh, locations is one of my favorite departments because uh, y- y'all have to Don't deal lie with. To me. No, no, uh, this is straight truth. Um, They're I, always telling you where you can't park. Well, I don't have a problem with that because the Teamsters are always going to put props next to the Pimo, so that's fine. Yeah, we're used to that. But um, 
Uh, and that's not y'all. That's the transpo. I, I'll give you a secret. If you're really nice to them, they might put you at the front of the line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and if you're lucky enough to get um, uh, a cavalier enough driver, that's another thing that they might just be like, no, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and get in the caravan early. And you're yeah, like, they see a lot of different departments doing a lot of different things on different shows. That's the thing about, you know, that. So it, I, I will say that I've, I've worked with several captains, you know, that if you're organized and you're really good at what you do, there's this kind of respect thing. So they will kind of help you. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a show recently where uh, the captain really enjoyed watching the grips. They were really organized. They got in, they got out and this and that. And so he'd always put them at the head of the line. Whereas the electrics, you know, he's like, ah, sloppy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all, y'all, y'all have to deal with so many aspects of the public and, and you have to make a lot of crazy deals, a lot of last second deals. Um, you can maybe speak a little bit to the classic stereotype of the lawnmower. Um, but, um, uh, you know, oftentimes because you, you also have the police, you know, is an extension that, that helps out, um, that you're kind of a problem solver for the physical location that we're at, as well as the scouting and everything else. Um, yeah. we, we are the public relations department. Right, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, this phrase I'm not too keen on, but the face of production, if you will. We're the first in, Nobody wants first to be that. out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, in order to, uh, to bring people into what I do and explain what I do, you know, when I'm talking to homeowners, business owners, residents, Joe Citizen, Jane Citizen, is that the locations department has one leg in reality of how things work, you know, how government works, local, state, the police is under our umbrella, set securities under the locations uh, umbrella, fire watch. I mean, we are the ones that deal with all their details. You know, uh, there's a small little overlap in departments, special effects, mechanic special effects, sometimes uses fire uh, watch a lot because they're dealing with fire. So we coordinate with that department. Uh, you know, but they don't order them. We order them, um, you know, permits, things like that. A lot of support stuff that you don't see on camera, you know. So that's the two facets of our world. If you're involved in the scouting and the creative part of putting images in front of the lens and then all the support. So what I tell people is we are the department that is, you know, rooted in reality, but yet we are working with a group that's building a world of fantasy, you know, and sometimes, you know, I sell it to where this is just two talking heads. I'm not going to shoot up your restaurant with guns and stuff like that. But when I do have to come into a situation where we want to shoot up the restaurant with guns, (laughs) you know, that's a whole nother conversation, you know, and so you you know i like to do my negotiating face to face you can't you know when we're talking money and so it's just an old way i think it's just a a gentleman's way of doing it you know a handshake type of thing which in my career i have actually done some handshake deals you know just to firm up a verbal thing and in the state of louisiana a verbal commitment is just as good as signing your name on a contract right. especially if you got witnesses and i've one time had to use that one time time and it worked Mm -hmm. uh uh, so anyway um getting back to you know having to deal with the public and so forth it's a monumental thing i sometimes also say if there was a police force for the shooting crew it's the locations department because a lot of things get dumped into our laps Mm -hmm. you know i mean we rent the water meters that's used by transportation so you can put water in the washer and dryers and the combo for the wardrobe department or special effects who's making rain need to attach to a fire hydrant Mm -hmm. we are in charge of getting that you know uh, for some reason i don't know why it's just always been but uh if they wanted a cat removed from a tree i'm sure we'd get a call on the radio (laughs) you know so i mean and as you as you had mentioned noisemakers in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. whether it's a lawnmower a boom box a loud car Someone working on their car, construction. Busker. And so we're asked to eliminate these noisemakers, no matter how far away they are. Uh, Some projects are um, a lot more 
demanding, other projects not so demanding. Do you, you mean, know? Do you mean some pro- some sound mixers are more demanding? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I actually was thinking about producers and ads more so, but then the whole sound mixer thing. Oh man, uh, and you know, and I'm a guy who generally scouts for sound mixers. You know, um, I make sure that I make everybody aware at a particular location that hey, remember we're under a freeway. Mm-hmm. You know, so no shocker when we're here, uh, you know, or we're scouting it and it becomes a choice and somebody who hadn't been on initial scout shows up and it's like, what about the sound? You know, <laughs> so I try to answer all the questions I think are going to come down the road mm-hmm. prior to getting there. You know, it's kind of like uh, showing a location that you haven't vetted. You might have shot there before, but you don't know if they've sold that property or those people had a bad experience with someone else and don't want any more filming. So that goes to a whole nother thing about file pulls on images that we have already shot. I don't like to do file pulls until I have time to vet them. Because then all of a sudden you've sold these images to a director or somebody who just, hey, can you just show me a bunch of pictures and, you know, I'll tell you when I see it. You know, we get that a lot. You know, I don't exactly know what it is I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I see it, you know. So then that means to me I'm going to be jumping through a lot of hoops, Yeah. you know. But I have a technique for that. You know that that's another story, um, but uh, but anyway, um, it's always interesting. It's the same game. It's just different. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we all have a frame about what we're getting into on on a certain scale, but it's always different because the personalities are different and this and that. You know, um, that come in and make the request. The jobs are different. You know, I might have scouted this street in downtown New Orleans a thousand times, but when I read the script or whatever it is I'm trying to do, I want to go back out there and walk it again because I'm looking at it with a, a fresh set of eyes about what's right in front of my face or what what's being asked of me mm-hmm. you know so um so yeah i don't know i might have just started rambling there for a second no i no, that's great I, you know something else too that um i think it's important that we point out is you when you're scouting these locations you also have to be uh factoring in uh, where can the working trucks park? Uh, how far away is the crew parking? Where could the caterer go? It's like you have to logistically oh, also map yeah. out the surrounding area to be production friendly enough. Oh, yeah. And and here's a detail that most people don't realize. So let's say like recently we had an off-campus parking lot because we had a lot of extras and the set was four miles away. So you just basically you didn't have any of the crew or extras or cast going to the actual set which was restrictive you had them going to an off camp and then you shuttle everybody in and you had to cross over a busy highway it was like 190 in Covington on the North Shore you know oh, yeah and it's just like their version of veterans are worse because the speed limits higher but anyway the whole idea is to try to see if the route will be efficient mm. you know or if they're gonna have to go an extra mile just to do a u-turn and this and that so picking where the lot is and how you know because You know, as an assistant director, which I'm also um, uh, an AD, you know, timing is everything, you know, and commercials, we time out everything. But even on features and so forth, you know, we have an idea of what our call times are going to be because I have to order cops and, you know, it's a cost factor if I don't get that right or I'm, you know, I'm waiting an extra hour because the call time either got pushed or pulled, Mm -hmm. you know. So timing is everything and, you know, that that's money. And we've all had to become really fiscal lately. And I think that the industry as a whole is going more fiscal and has been traveling since the golden age of filmmaking when it was a, pl- a, a privilege to work in the film industry mm-hmm. as, as now just more or less just a job, it seems like. So we want to tell you about Teaser Fest burlesque excellence. Immerse yourself in a world of allure at Teaser Fest, a burlesque extravaganza in the heart of New Orleans from January 18th to 21st. Seven showcases, guys. Countless thrills from the timeless queen of the striptease at the Orpheum Theater with live jazz to the avant-garde Vera Tease featuring <laughs> acrobatics in the same iconic venue. <laughs> 
Sorry, I chuckled. Because <laughs> I think it's supposed to say varieties. I, I think, yeah. That's why I'm so uh, Yeah, so we should probably do Wait, that. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? What did you say? Varieties. What did you say? Varieties. Varieties. I would have... Cinema verities. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like the kid in class. You're reading out loud. <laughs> no, but I mean that's. <laughs> no, I feel like we should shame people more. I feel like it, it gets people on their toes. Uh, I see you went to the varieties. Varieties. Derek Zoolander School for yeah, varieties. Yeah, varieties. Varieties. Let me do uh, seven showcases. Countless thrills. From the tireless queen of the striptease at the Orpheum Theater with live jazz to the avant-garde Verities featuring acrobatics in the same iconic venue. Varieties. <laughs> varieties. 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 Somebody else do it. Somebody else do it. Hey, hey, man. You want to take a sip of this? Seven showcases, countless thrills from the timeless queen of the striptease at the Orpheum Theater with live jazz to the avant-garde. <laughs> You're not going to be able to get through it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to take one more time. Seven showcases. Bob Holly. <laughs> that wasn't me. All right, that wasn't me. Seven showcases, countless thrills from the timeless queen of the striptease at the Orpheum Theater with live jazz to the avant-garde varieties featuring acrobatics in the same iconic venue. It's at the Orpheum Theater, gang. Witness burlesque magnificence in this historic gem, a perfect backdrop for the extravagance of Teaser Fest. After Dark Adventures, explore edgy, one-of-a-kind acts that redefined late-night entertainment. Teaser Fest celebrates New Orleans culture with live music, crafted cocktails, and intimate performances. A festival like never before. Elevate your senses at Teaser Fest. Promising enchantment, amazement, and a celebration of burlesque in all its forms. So get your tickets now. Visit teaserfest.com and secure your place at the hottest burlesque event of the year. It's become an accountant's game, you know. And bean counters. Yeah. Yeah, that's the old bean counters thing, you know. You got accountants as producers now. You got um, um, a very different system of bureaucracy. It's much more complex than it used to be. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Millennium earlier. Uh, you have these companies that um, they get accountants to basically predetermine a bottom line, and then they basically know you know, let's say the bottom line is $8 million. So they're like, as long as we make this movie for $8 million or less, we should have a minimal net profit because we already have a distributor like Lionsgate. So maybe 1.5 mil is our net bottom. They have made their money before they start filming a hundred percent of media. They, they've already made the money. The thing about it is their now thought process is how can we save more? Yes. Because the more we save, I was doing Universal Soldier 2 or something <laughs> right. early oh, in God, my I career. That was here, yeah. After I did uh, <laughs> Double Jeopardy, I got hired to go to Caddo Lake and, and Dallas, Texas to go do this. And I remember that the original one had these really cool yellow visors. Well, we were using yellow hunting glasses, <laughs> you know, because they had decided, oh, no, that's going to cost too much in uh, the post world, you know, visual effects and stuff. Hey, check these out. I found He's at a Bass Pro. You know, I can get a hundred of them for like you know two hundred dollars. Let's put this on Van Damme. Right. You know, so you know that was one example of me just you know hearing conversations about how they can save money. You know, um, in, instead of reading about it, actually witnessing it. You know, and mm. stuff like that. Was that was a one of, that might have been Michelle's final show, The Prop Master. She's out of the industry now. Roland. Yeah. I don't shout know. out Michelle Rowland wherever you are. Yeah, shout out to Michelle Rowland. Um, that was one of her stories last. about Michelle yeah. Rowland. I I think I was on the show that hired her for her first production design job. Oh, cool! And on college, what was shot down here, uh, we filmed in her father's house, this huge house huh. over by the fairgrounds, and we flooded it with beer, or at least that's what the story said it was. <laughs> uh, shout out to Dave Namy who cleaned that stuff up really good. Oh, for Namy! Me. So yeah, yeah I come Namie. into houses and I will flood them sometimes. You know, so that's a conversation yeah, yeah it's a long conversation with a homeowner yeah and that's you know like i i think 
You had mentioned earlier too. You're the first in and first out. The the out part is you got to stay and clean up after. Oh yeah, restoration. Yeah. I call that exit strategy. If you haven't planned out, it's almost like a director who should have who should see the movie already in his head as he's shooting it. Right? Mm -hmm. Should be edited. I mean, at least that's my train of thought. It, you know you know, for, for directors that they should actually see the finished product before it's done. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I need to sort of be the same way. I need to see an exit strategy. You know, I know what's mm -hmm. coming. All right. There's a freight train coming. How do I soften the blow? <laughs> right. You know, how do I get out unscathed? You know, right. that kind of thing, you know, preventive medicine is a huge thing. We throw out layout board to protect wooden floors and stuff, but sometimes, you know, you get a gouge and you have to redo floors and that's an expensive thing, you know, oh, yeah. especially terrazzo floors and so forth. So, uh, and, and I've had to repair a lot of stuff. And that goes back to people who get what it is to rent your house to the film crew. Like you'll have a lot of uh, film crew people saying, I'd never rent my place to this. Da, 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 da. I know what goes on. Right. It's like, yeah, you're that person that's letting that go on. Huh? Yeah, exactly. You know? So, uh, so anyway, um, you know, I mean, these are just things, these are things you can fix, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I try to make it the best experience that a person has, you know, that's our goal. Though those location specialists who really take pride in what they do is they want to take care of their vendors. Their vendors are the people they sign deals with, you know, everybody else comes and goes, you're staying in this community. Even if you get hired by another location manager or location supervisor, who's not from your market that you have these relationships with you know is 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 someone i think that you sort of have to protect yourself from you know um we're 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 an industry that was built on accountability you know um that's why we're departmentalized you know based on the military there's a hierarchy mm -hmm. it's all about the finger pointing who didn't do their job some people call it the blame not the credits yeah you know? <laughs> it's like wow that was really bad special effects who did that yeah. you know so uh you know if 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 you take pride in what you do you want to be invited back and a lot of other crew members understand that if they stand back you know it's like like that place that you're shooting in last night, you know, you kind of want to go back there. You know, you may not think that when you're there last night, you know, but, you know, we want to be able to return to the we want those owners and managers and property site reps to tell other people how good of an experience it was, you know, because, you know, that's just I mean, that's what we do for a living. We create experiences, media, entertainment, you know, uh, we should we should walk to walk and talk to talk, you know, when we're physically doing it. And, and that's my approach. You know, I often tell people I'm an ambassador for film in the state of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. You know, I want people to get what it is they need to get, you know, um, and, and, and walk away with good experiences. That's awesome. You just brought up two very good points that I, I want to touch on. One, um, and I think this is something that speaks to us as workers of the industry and also to anyone in the public that's listening, but it's important for us as crew members to be polite, be accommodating and everything. One, it's just the way you should conduct yourself, but two, it's also what keeps us able to come back to these locations or, or keep the public um, happy within reason when we know we're being an inconvenience, like we're locking down a street or something like that. And people are having to detour because of us and everything. So you want, you know, we, ha we have to work here and people have to live here. So it's like a symbiotic need to, to be on the friendly with each other. Um, the, the other thing, um, when you mentioned, uh, uh, this is something I think all departments share in common and it's always the bane of your existence, but it's when, uh, things are out of your control, but they're still going to reflect on your department. So like, you know, maybe um, something goes haywire, let's say with props or uh, like the prop gets broken and then we have a backup and then the backup gets damaged or something. And you're like, well, I didn't know they're gonna be throwing this thing that was never discussed. So that's a problem because I only have two of them. You know, and then suddenly, you know, if it's in the final cut or they had to make an adjustment, now you're upset because 
that was a communication breakdown. That was a correctable thing. But instead, at the final result, it's now reflecting back to you. And that's something that uh, when you're saying the blame instead of the credits, that it's those are the things that like keep me up at night or I have the work dreams about. <laughs> they give us anxiety. Yeah, 100%. You know? I mean, uh, the thing about it is, uh, especially department heads, as I am and as you are and so forth, you're, uh, you're a performer and mm-hmm. you're asked to perform and deliver. And it's usually right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's not important to them until it's important to them, (laughs) you know? So we see a lot of that and our experience, hopefully, you know, lets us kind of be calmer. Uh, one of my newest mottos that I, that I like to throw around is no knee jerk reactions. We get a lot of requests. Let's just think about it for a second before we act, Mm -hmm. you know, because it just might be a fleeting thought. It might not be, uh, 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 you know, it it might not be doable in the sense of finances Mm -hmm. or other resources, you know. So no knee-jerk reactions, you know. Um, And uh, Joe Joe Stunts and I were talking about that yesterday, saying that, you know, you try your best to never give no as an answer. It's always, right. let me think about that for a minute, you know, or, or uh, let me get back to you, you know, something yeah. to that effect, because you can just take that moment, problem solve. It's a lot of thinking on your feet. And then you can at least come back and offer options, offer possible solutions rather than just straight up go like, nah, that's not happening. Yeah, no, we yeah. are in the business of, of, uh, of doing things and making things happen. It may not be, you know, and so we have to work through a lot of different plans and it's a a, most of the time if not all the time it's directing by committee Mm -hmm. you know so there's a lot of different voices a lot of different opinions you know um and sometimes you 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 have to know when to raise your voice and when not to and just step back and let it flush out um you know uh in my position as locations i try to hold things if i know for a fact uh, something that's been requested of me on the ground out in the field. And that's where I get my request. I mean, I'm, we're literally standing on a street corner or in the street for some strange reason, filmmakers like to stand in the street when they don't need to. Um, and my request is, uh, always, Hey, can we do this on the sidewalk? Um, so he's talking about um, cinematographers. Yeah. (laughs) Scouting. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, like I said, you know, one foot, one foot in reality, the other foot in, uh, world building creatives mind of oh i need this you know and and stuff so and uh you know i'm invincible cars don't hurt me <laughs> um so uh so yeah you know um it's a it's 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 a, a unique industry to work in i feel very fortunate to be a part of it and to have been somewhat successful in it uh it's not everybody's style i think um i think that um you know, well, even doing television versus doing a feature film, mm-hmm. you know, feature film, you get that script, you get a breakdown. I, I love doing feature films. And then I got into the TV world, which is a whole nother animal, you know, mm-hmm. it's still media. But I mean, you know, you're lucky to get the words. And then they like, you know, you get the words and the next morning they're like, all right, what are you showing us? You know, it's like, all right, all right. You know, you really have to, you know, so you hone your skills where you're literally reading the the different descriptions of these places and you're formulating ideas. Yeah. You know, same thing with you when you're reading and doing a breakdown, your own breakdown for props. You're like, oh, man, you're highlighting the heck out of it. Oh, yeah. You know, so I'm doing the same thing, you know, based on I'm looking at what car is in the driveway, Mm -hmm. you know, for that owner, because sometimes that tells me what social economic situation they're in. We get a lot of scripts where they don't do that kind of description. They just kind of, you know, tell you it's a single family home, da, 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 da. What does that mean? What is the environment supposed to look like? You know, what am I looking for? Right. So I have questions, too. You know, (laughs) there's many different Mm -hmm. uh, variations of swamps yeah you know, i once had to tell a video game company you know we got a lot of different types of swamps you know i want to see them all you know <laughs> okay all right yeah uh you you brought up another good point too that um when you're when you're doing the the your breakdowns and stuff and then 
uh, like in TV world, especially if you're talking about network or like procedural television, everything, they're very fast paced. You, you have essentially two weeks from start to finish for an episode. It's aggressive. Yeah, it's very aggressive is a good way of saying it. Um, and so, uh, you know, they're ready to hit the ground running, just like you're saying. And you may have just broken down the script. We all just got right. the script, you know. So but- you're showing a lot of photographs. Oh, well, especially I should say for us, because we don't have maybe the physical item because we've got to order it. we got to make it. we got to do something. So instead, we're like, here's a picture of I kind of think what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So you just don't have the time to get the physical item. I mean, ideally, we and want that's the, the initial item. approach, you know, the mm-hmm. let's get the temperature rolling. Let's, yes, exactly. you know, it's like, um, you know, you're lucky if they're like, oh, that's perfect. Grand slam. Moving on. Check that box. <laughs> yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? So, Jimmy, uh, uh, wrapping up with you, um, what kind of um, advice uh, would you like to impart on anyone listening? Could be good, could be bad advice, could be for the public, could be for crew or anyone, just maybe trivial people that like what they're hearing. Um, well, that's really broad. Can we sure you know, advice um, in, in what, uh, working in the industry, maybe advice, life in- advice. Cause I can do all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I could be your life coach. We're going to, we're going to bring you back on as a life for coach. More than one production. What, uh, uh, well, we'll say, um, jerk <laughs> sorry about that. That's the advice. <laughs> I love that I should you turn off my uh, Peter Gunn. my phone when I'm recording things <laughs> so that I don't bust us, you know, a yeah. take or something. Yeah, quiet on set. How about, how about that? Quiet on set. <laughs> yeah, quiet on set. And I'm really bad at that, you know. I'm, I'm, my mom's a Cajun. She's a loud woman, and I've inherited that, so, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I don't like to wear radios these days. Those earwigs hurt me, you know. Oh, my yeah. Tenonitis can't deal with mm. it, so... Uh, I don't know about advice, but, uh, you know, uh, I, pff, this is corny, but follow your dreams. If yeah. you want to be in the business, be in the business, you know, just keep keep at it. Uh, there's got to be somebody you can meet, you know, to get into that click that you want to oh, be in. networking for sure. As, as a production assistant, which is the ground floor, they tell me, of, uh, of uh, crew members, you know, it's a non-union position and everybody's uh, goal is to get in the union and get those benefits. Let me just tell you, unions don't find your jobs. Your friends do. Yep. So uh, you can get into one of these little clicky groups, you know, that uh, reminds me of high school, you know, whether it's the camera department or the locations department. I used to travel with a team, you know, and then, you know, I'm, I, I can do a lot of solo stuff. You know, I can do I can do a photo shoot by myself. I don't need a whole team. You know, I can park the company, get find the places, all that stuff. But when I get into bigger shows and stuff, you know, I need to build a team. And I used to have a team, but then, you know, they used to call me up and say, hey, when's the next gig? And I was like, I'm taking some time off. I need to check my head, <laughs> you know? So I didn't want that responsibility, you know? So uh, so now I just build a team as I go. So uh, like I said, just be persistent too, you know? We all get very busy. And if you've contacted somebody, you know, just... Stay in touch with follow them, up. text them, follow yeah. up. You know, sometimes that's the thing. It's like all of a sudden you're talking about having to bring somebody on and you get a text from some, oh, totally forgot about them. Perfect. You know, they would perfectly work out, you know. Yeah. So that happens all the times, you know. When things are busy, too, that's the best time to get in. Yeah, yeah. You just have to know when it's busy. But yeah, that's the only caveat. But, yeah, I mean, we we generally don't have enough qualified bodies to fill all the positions just the way – there's such a, and we're about to get it again when we come out of all the strike mess. There's yeah. going to be a massive demand for content. And then there will be. It's going to be a big flood. There's going to be a need for more bodies because there's not enough bodies. Yeah. And, and what have we seen over the last, I'm going to say 12 months, because the strike's been at least about 12 months, we're getting close, mm-hmm. is that some people have moved on. People yeah. that we have worked yep. with have moved on to other things, you know, other industries, making money somewhere else. Maybe their side hustle actually cha-chinged for them. Right. So they're sticking with that. So Some businesses um, have closed. You know, we were talking about uh, one of my comrades in, in the location world retiring 
hearing, yep. you know. I've been hearing a little bit of that stuff a lot, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a brave new world coming back into it, you know. For sure. And, uh, coming out of the strike. And the strike will end. It's just about when. I feel fortunate, you know, location scouts, you know, are one of the first hired. So mm. hopefully, you know, we're a barometer of when jobs start to roll in. But we're hearing a lot of good things, you know, about – Look, some of these producers are chomping at the bit too. They want to get to work. Mm-hmm. You know, just a few people at the top who are standing in the way, and it'll work out sooner or later. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, that that's great. Thank you so much, Jimmy. We really appreciate you coming in, yeah. and uh, love to have you again in the future. And good luck. Hope I, we're all working together soon. Yeah, absolutely. It was Thanks, fun. Jimmy. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jimmy, that was fun. Uh, I, I love talking to that guy. Um, one thing I, I didn't get to talk to him about, but he had told me years ago when I first met him uh, was that uh, you would be lucky if one out of 10 things you work on are actually any good. And I'm paraphrasing because that was a long time ago. But I will say he's been more right than he probably knew. I, I think when you, if you talk in terms of quality, or something that you feel good about hanging your hat on, like a um, an award-winning program, um, an Academy nominee, you know, something of that. You are looking at about one out of ten, and um, not to knock the other stuff, but those are more just paychecks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we still do our jobs. We're still professionals. Um, but you know, I'm trying to think of a a good example off the top of my head. You know, maybe. Maybe that 50 cent thing wasn't something that you were really, you know, stoked about, mm. you know, um, anywho's. Um, but uh, um, would y'all agree with that in, in your experience so far? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 I don't ever expect uh, much, but, but when it is good, or even when you, you read a script for the first time and you're like, oh, this, this might be be good yeah i don't hate this you, you get, I, I didn't exactly. i didn't cringe my way through I, I i forgot to uh read it through a prop lens uh too i was just reading it you, you know what I mean? oh yeah yeah this is actually good so yeah, yeah it, it is it's nice when that it's nice when that that's happens. the whole thing about post is that you know we're not really involved in post so you know you you're prepping something you get the script you read it and just like zoe's talking about sometimes you're like, oh, wow, I, I like this. Mm-hmm. This is, inter- I laughed reading or I was mm-hmm. engaged, you know, reading or something. And then you get into the production of it. Maybe the production of it goes really well. And you're like, I am feeling great about this. Mm-hmm. And then the movie comes out and you go, huh, that was a letdown. I mean, it was okay, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, huh, well, I don't work in post. I don't yep. know what to say. <laughs> It was great up to when we left. <laughs> yeah. So, so now when I when I like a script, I'm like, well, we'll we'll see. Temper expectation. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, some things I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, Tim Blake Nelson wrote and directed uh, this movie called um, Leaves of Grass that I worked on, and it was very much in the vein of like a Coen Brothers type feel and everything. Mm-hmm. Edward Norton plays twins. Susan Sarandon's in it. Uh, I think it was Carrie Russell. Maybe was it's been so long. Um, but uh, it read fantastic. And to this day, it's the most airtight script I ever read and worked on. You couldn't edit it. You couldn't cut stuff. It was so airtight. And like I think the only thing they ended up cutting was like an art piece that was going to be built, and they just slightly altered it. Everything mm-hmm. else was a dialogue adjustment. Production went great. Everybody was happy. Actors were fantastic. Crew did a great job. Really looking forward to seeing this thing. It comes out. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but up until then, I was like, "This is. This has award potential. This mm. is. This is Tim. You did. You did a solid here." So, um, I mean, I don't know. One day, if I ever see Tim Blake Nelson again, I can ask him. But um, yeah, it, you felt like an opportunity was missed, and that happens sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you work on something that you read and it is so bad, but it's the best thing to work on. Oh, yeah. that And then you, you know what I mean? You don't, you you don't are care. You're absolutely correct. You know, the, the crew is great. Everything's running smoothly. Mm-hmm. You're not miserable. 
yes, the script is <laughs> You're opposite terrible and you won't be proud when you watch it. But it's like, oh, this is all right. I'm like happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I used to love, I, There's there was a period in time where we were getting a lot of Lifetime and Hallmark things um, mm-hmm. because this um, uh, former uh, producer, UPM line producer type, uh, this guy, Chris Morgan, uh, son of uh, um, Harry Morgan uh, from MASH, um, but uh, he was wrangling these shows that were coming in for a while that was all Lifetime and Hallmark. And even though they're not creatively exciting because everything's very straightforward in those worlds, you're not having to manufacture a cool prop or anything of that nature, they're also extremely straightforward. And they're, it's there's a mood about them that is very... Um, I don't know a good way to put it. Maybe it's it's almost like it's cathartic because you know you don't have too many things to worry about. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of traveling through that that project knowing I have everything to have, knowing everyone's here. They, they know what they're working on. Everyone's playing to that thing. And then you get done with it and you're like, I'm not even worried about post because it's going to look like a Lifetime movie. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. You gets what you gets. Yeah. Um, let me guess. A husband is a shitty person, and <laughs> no, that's or the, someone's reconnecting with their yeah, daughter. That's that's the old lifetime. Uh, old <laughs> lifetime was always uh, uh, horrible men stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Now it's like a, a reconnection. Or um, I did a um, one of the ones I did was Pregnancy Pact, which was based on uh, what was it in? Uh, oh my god, I can't remember where in Massachusetts it was. But uh, do you remember a thing of like? 13 high school girls all got pregnant seemingly at the same time. And su- the, the supposed rumor was that they had made a pact to get intentionally impregnated. And so uh, this was the lifetime version of that, you know? So of course mm-hmm. it's like, you know, more scandalous and everything. And, but uh, yeah, I mean, go look it up everybody. It's got Thora Birch. Pregnancy pact. Yeah. Oh, and Nancy Travis who, oh, Nancy Travis. What a gem. She was fantastic. Um, absolute doll. Uh, Thor was fine. Sorry, nothing personal against Thor. Um, no, I just, I, I mean, for me, like I was, I loved So I Married an Axe Murderer. And so mm. that, that was, know, you're yeah. Talking about. yeah, it was like Nancy <laughs> Travis. Uh, that was that moment where I was like, oh, I loved you in this movie and I loved you in this yeah. other thing. You know, so I was, I was geeking a little bit, yeah. I'll admit. Um, but yeah, anyway, I thought Jimmy was pretty thorough. I, I don't know if there's anything we could add to that. Um, yeah, kind of absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I would love to because they have to do some some borderline shady stuff sometimes to like you know cash deals and stuff to make that lawnmower guy turn yeah. off his lawnmower and and things like mm-hmm. that that you're not exactly getting a receipt for to then turn into production. So yeah, I I did like his point about how how he he's performing. Yes, it it is a performance. It's yeah. kind of customer servicey. You have to you have to kind of have to schmooze people, especially if they're upset in the middle of production or you know, you, <laughs> everything you stopped be because a, whatever whatever issue for sure it may be. And and I've seen I've seen these locations people sweet talk the mm-hmm. angriest, <laughs> meanest uh, looking person, and then it's all hunky dory. I'm like. Oh, shit yeah uh you're, you're good at that <laughs> you need to be a people person in the location department yeah yeah i mean that absolutely yeah um if you if you enjoy talking with the public that would be a very good department for you if you just like rapping with strangers and um trying to convince them that uh you're doing a good thing there um even though maybe it's like we're actually renting the house next door so we're gonna be Mm-hmm. an inconvenience to every other neighbor around there. Um, so those are kind of what we talked about before. Those are the situations where everybody needs to be on their behavior. Everybody needs to be nice. We want to be able to come back to this neighborhood. Yep. Yeah. I think we take uh, locations for granted a lot, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we just don't think about how many hats they have to wear and that, you know, we're, we're all there. We're just, we just have to please, you know, internally and the <laughs> yeah. director and they've got to please everyone. Oh Yeah public and and uh and everyone on the production and all that stuff so. yeah the crew yeah we can yeah. be a bunch of ingrates for well, sure but like as a collective helps us you know to like kind of remember and oh for sure yeah with them. and the, i mean they 
truly are a department that deals with practically every other department. I mean, you know, we could say props more and more deals with a lot of departments, a lot more than we used to. And it's just the nature of how things have evolved. Um, which for anyone in a hiring position, we need more people in our department, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, hey, if there's 13 people in the costume department, maybe we could at least have five in the prop department. Yeah, throw a little something our way. Yeah. yeah. They kind of only deal with clothes. We have other things to do. Sorry. Oh, soapbox. I didn't realize I was standing Sometimes on that. Sometimes jewelry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, it, when it's not the jewelry we're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, conversation for another time. Anyway. Um, yeah. Jimmy was great. Um, and um, that's certainly an unsung hero uh, department. So shout out to locations and the hard work they do. And uh Yeah, Zoe, close us out. All right. Do you like what we're doing here? Do you have thoughts, comments, questions? Maybe you have an idea or suggestion for topics you want to hear about? Well, you can find us on the interwebs. You can email us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the social medias, Instagram being filmfolklorepodcast. We have a Facebook group called Film Folklore. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And yeah, thanks for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs)